With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to a Tennis.com podcast, sponsored by Prince XO3 Racket Technology and by American Express. American Express presents Next Contenders. Get to know four of today's game changers in tennis. For more, visit nextcontenders.com. It's Monday, and that means a bigger number in the lost column for the Buffalo Bills, and it also means the Tennis.com podcast is returned after a weekend of tennis. Uh, I'm here, Ed McGrogan, here with Steve Tigner and Peter Bodo, um, talking a little tennis after a little football. Uh, we'll, we'll forget about the Bills. They're not really an interesting subject to talk about anyway these days. Yeah, but boy. That, just that, thought that, I'd mention it. Go off <laughs> yes, it got... Talk the fans up there off a cliff. It's really, it's really getting ugly up there for any of you, uh, any of you Western New Yorkers. But um, the uh, Davis Cup this weekend wrapped up its semifinal ties and also the World Group playoffs. We're going to start with the semifinals, where both home teams won and advanced this week into the finals. Serbia came back from two-one down after the doubles to beat the Czech Republic three-two. And they'll be hosting France in the final. France was also the home team in their semifinal. They defeated Argentina much easier, uh, 5-0. They had the tie clinched by Saturday. Um, The bigger storyline certainly would be the way, I guess, Serbia came back, especially when you consider Novak Djokovic. He originally was going to play in the Friday singles matches. He didn't play uh, because of an illness. And he comes back and doubles on Saturday, partners with Zimanjic, um, who's, of course, a very, very strong doubles player. And they fall in the doubles to go behind. And then on Sunday, Djokovic wins his match, must win against Burdic. And Tipsarovic, who had a strong U.S. Open, clinches it with a another win over Stepanek to, to seal it. It's a very, um, very impressive result by Serbia when I... When they looked like they're on the ropes, Pete, I know you wrote about that the doubles seemed like it may have been the the big chink in the armor that that could have did them in, but they ended up coming back on Sunday and they reached their first career Davis Cup final. Well, yeah, you know, I think uh, they they looked awful on in, in the doubles, and you said, oh, you know, you kind of winced and said, there it goes. Poor Zemanjic, you know, he's playing with the big boy now, Novak Djokovic. It's his, you know, perfect moment on the stage to show that he's more than quoted double specialists. And, you know, I got to believe the guy really felt the pressure being at home. And then having to play alongside Djokovic, you can't underestimate the impact that can have on somebody like Zemanjic to suddenly have one of these guys who, let's face it, if the top guys played doubles, they would be among the top doubles players. So he felt a lot of pressure just to, to sort of keep up his end of the bargain in a way. And Djokovic didn't play very well either. So that was really, really kind of a disaster. Um, what I liked in his tie, though, really was Djokovic's performance.
performance. I mean, no question about the fact that Tipsarevich is the hero. But Djokovic was a setup man, and, you know, it would have been pretty easy for Djokovic to, you know, whatever happens in this tie, Djokovic doesn't look too bad because, you know, if he loses the tie, you blame it on a timing, you blame it on a Davis Cup format, you blame it on whatever you want. But so for him to come up and be the setup guy and get Tipsarevich over close to the finish line and then hope that he can make it across was a really good effort. The guy has to be emotionally and physically drained and exhausted after the U.S. Open. And, you know, and, and there's a lot of pressure at home, too. So he's playing Berdick in fourth match. That could really have gone either way, even though Berdick has not played great tennis in the past month. Uh, I, I give a lot of credit to Novak Djokovic as a setup guy who, who, who turned, really turned Tipsarevich into hero. Yeah, I think Djokovic, Djokovic seems to me to be a guy like, not a little bit like Murat Safin, where he, sometimes he, you know, the, the normal tour, he can, he, his motivation sort of comes and goes. I mean, he always wants to win, but he, he can, he can let a match go also pretty easily. But Davis Cup, that, that forces him not to do that. You know, he, I think he's a guy who's, whose psyche is, is made for that kind of event where, where he's playing for somebody else. And, and you know, all these guys really want, want to win the Davis Cup, but I've been amazed at Djokovic's passion for it, you know, ever since he, ever since he's, you know, he started. You see all kinds of scenes of him whenever he wins, just going ballistic. Uh, so he, you know, well, let's remember these guys are pretty not, selfish, basically. I mean, you know, so you get a big star like a Djokovic, who's a, you know, legitimately a huge star compared to some of, some of these other guys, and he is like a Safin or a Federer or a Nadal. And some of those guys, Nadal maybe is the biggest exception. You know, it's a little like if it's not about me, I'm sort of out of here. You know, that's that's a very broad generalization, but it's really kind of true. They, you know, they're, they're looking at their position and and they're you know focused on what their result, what they've done, and and really to be able to swallow that back and do what you got to do for the team. Which is what Djokovic did, I think, is a, is a pretty good plus on his uh, resume. Yeah. Also, Djokovic, he's he's typically he's gone at it so hard in Davis Cup that he's you could say he's hurt himself a little bit in in the coming weeks after the after those matches on tour. But he doesn't he obviously doesn't care. Yeah. Earlier this spring, I remember for one of their Serbia's ties, I think it was the second rounder, the quarterfinal, basically, he kind of disappeared. This was around Indian Wells in Miami, I believe, right after a really, uh, he, he kind of won the tie. I remember this was, I think, also in Belgrade, too. So he's really peaked, I think, throughout the year for these events. And that's why, uh, among other reasons, it looks like Serbia, as impressive as France's win is, we'll get to that in a second, they have a lot of going for them in the final. They'll be hosting it. Uh, we were just talking earlier. We haven't determine uh, the uh, surface hasn't been chosen yet but Serbia is obviously going to pick whatever surface it deems as the most advantageous for them and Serbia throughout this year in Davis Cup has also shown a uh, shown their depth really well it's it was more Serbia when you're thinking about their top players it was about the women with Yankovic and Novak and obviously those are both top 10 players but you look at the men what they've done over the past years they've developed Guys like Troisky into a into a good solid player and Tipsarovic in recent months has been he's always had his moments but um, especially of late he's been doing even better and then you have Zimanjic in the double so Serbia I think definitely is uh, is well positioned for the final and, and when they're going to host France that's coming up in uh, December I don't know if you guys have any early thoughts about that or um, just thoughts in general on how the rest of the tournament's going to go for them. I like the Serbs. I mean. These are pretty tough crew. Um, 
And I, I think the Serbs are, are you know, they're, they're going to be deliriously happy. This means a heck of a lot in Serbia. The French, let's, let's remember, the French are one of the sort of have nations in tennis. Serbia has been a have-not for the longest time. And I, I think they're going to be psyched out of their minds, frankly. And the French are a little bit like, you know, hey, you know it's big, but there's Roland Garros as well. These guys are stars. They live in, you know, sort of a, a real Western culture where they make a ton of money doing any, anything. So they're a little bit soft, I think. And I think in general the French teams have been soft, uh, you know, just like the French players have been soft in Grand Slams. So to me, you know, it, you know, the critical thing component here will be Serbia at home. I have a feeling Djokovic is, is going to walk in there, pound his fist on the table at the Serbian Federation headquarters and say, you put this tie on a fast indoor hard court and I'm going to go out there and win two singles and we're going to win the Davis Cup. Yeah, I, I think the tie will be, it'll come down to, you know, Djokovic has the has the advantage at the top, um, but, but the French do have depth and the French have doubles as well. Um, I would say, I would say that they are hungry for it. They, they've lost a bunch of, they've lost a few finals and they've, they haven't won for a while. Um, and they do have depth. They have, you know, they had Simone and, and Sanga on the bench this past weekend and they still, they still won uh, 5-0. Low as well is a, is a, they have a couple of versatile guys like especially Lodrum who, who really you know is, is has been playing good tennis and, and and won two two matches um, yesterday he he also so it's sort of a wild card there's the Serbs and, and rarely do, do you face a guy who plays exactly like that so I think and I think the French even though it's on the road and and the Serbs have the best player the France will make it a good time. Yeah, I was wondering what you guys thought about who France might want to use for that. I actually was, I wrote a little earlier that the uh, the combo of Clement and Lodre are very important, I think, to France. They've been one of the best doubles teams in the Davis Cup overall. They beat the Bryan brothers, actually, in the United States uh, a couple of years back. And Lodre has put himself very well this year. He also, he beat... He won two two uh, two matches this past week, and he also in when France beat Spain 5-0, uh, he beat Verdasco. Um, he's had a nice run, but France obviously has a lot of choices to go with, and this is actually the first tie of the year that they're not going to be in France. They've actually played the first three ties all on home, and um, so I'm wondering if 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 anyone like Monfils or Songa is a more attractive option, I guess when you have to combat what you're going to get against Djokovic and most likely Tipsarovic. I don't, I don't, I don't think we need to say that Gasquet is not really one of those options. He hasn't been uh Well, but wait, hold your horses up for a second. I mean, we're pretty far out from this tie, though. I mean, it's pretty hard to, it's pretty hard to start picking teams, especially when you got the, the French players who can be so streaky and who can go on runs. I mean, you know, it's entirely possible that Lodra is a game despite the indoor season coming up in which he theoretically ought to do well, as should Monfils, I mean, you know, there's a chance that either or both of these guys, you know, just sort of chill out and disappear and evaporate a little bit, kind of the way Burdick has done toward the end of the summer. I mean, these are not the most reliable guys. It's really different if you've got a guy like a Federer or a Roddick or a Djokovic, who you know is always going to be there. You know, we know Djokovic is going to play that tie. I think with the French, though, we're too, way too far out to be talking about sort of personnel, although it's certainly valid that you know that their doubles team for instance is, is pretty much a, a done deal well Monfils, Monfils was he played well in this tie he's another guy yet another guy you can say this about a lot of guys it, that is that Djokovic effect in Davis Cup he he plays a little bit more responsibly I guess I would say than he than he when he when he plays for when he plays for his team than he did say at the U.S. Open against Djokovic he would I would imagine he would be a different guy 
if he played Djokovic in the final of the Davis Cup, I still don't see him winning that match. And he is a risky, he is a risky choice, but he's an interesting choice because he can, he he's he's a guy who could beat anyone. He's very, you know, obviously a talented singles player. And then you know you also have Songa, who's a little bit of similar guy. I would say Loader is a little bit more reliable, less less obvious upside, but but is a more reliable guy. So they have a lot of people they can throw at the Serbs and and you know sort of keep that team guessing as to who they're going to face. American Express presents Next Contenders, your chance to get up close and personal with four of today's game changers in tennis. John Isner, Sam Query, Melanie Udan, and Caroline Wozniacki. Visit nextcontenders.com to follow the excitement during the 2010 U.S. Open and discover the person behind the player. It's tennis trivia time. Here's a chance to test your tennis knowledge with a tennis.com podcast trivia question. Brought to you by Prince XO3 Racket Technology. Are you ready? The question is, Valencia, Spain is the hometown of this Prince player who reached his best ever placing in the U.S. Open in 2007. If you think you know the answer to our trivia question, visit the official Prince Tennis Facebook page at facebook.com slash official.prince.tennis. Once again, that's facebook.com slash official.prince.tennis. Become a fan today and be sure to leave your answer on the Prince wall. On the lower tier of the Davis Cup this past weekend was the World Group where World Group playoffs where the nations who lost earlier in this year and nations who have won in zonal play who are seeking to get up to the top tier of the competition faced off. The winners move on to the World Group next year. The losers remain relegated in that uh, zone and will try to compete to the top spot later on you know, in future years. And the U.S. was involved in one of those ties this weekend in, in Colombia uh, where they're playing uh, high altitude, red clay court, uh, a lot of stuff environment-wise sort of against them a little bit. But uh, Marty Fish was a big hero of this tie because he takes down two singles matches and he teams with John Isner in the doubles. And the U.S. wins the tie in four rubbers and uh, moves on. So they'll be back in the world group last year. Uh, this one was on TV. You guys checked out some of these matches. What did you guys think of uh, think of this one, Pete? I guess we'll start with you. Yeah, well, you know, it was interesting watching this tie. I think the Colombians made a critical mistake playing at altitude or with the tree-torn pressureless balls. I suppose it would have been crazy if they went with pressurized balls at that altitude. But, I mean, if I were them, I would have wanted – this match down at sea level where their guys who are, are good, solid baseline players, you know, they're, neither of them is a big star, but these guys can grind on clay. And, you know, the one thing that struck me overall was a combination of both the altitude and actually the pressureless balls, which these guys really had trouble dealing with just in terms of how do I hit this ball? How do I keep it from flying? You know, it feels different on the strings from the balls we play with every week. So I think it was a, I think it was a real – it made a level playing field – where you take away the advantage the Colombians would have had on a, on a slow red clay court under normal conditions and actually put a little bit of an advantage to the Americans because, you know, let's face it, Marty Fish is a high-skilled player. Neither uh, Faya nor Giraldo uh, is, is in the same league in terms of being able to do different things and being, being able to win different ways. I think we saw a little bit of that in the fish match. You know, Marty actually did some, some, some good damage from the baseline, even though he had a shaky moment. So I think it was kind of a tactical error of Columbia to, to choose that altitude with those balls. It did not really, it was not the ideal setup for, you know, going in, Fala had predicted that they're going to 
basically make the Americans work for every point and grind it out and all this other stuff. And then they go and they play the, the match on a court where, where that really wasn't called for and couldn't really be done because of the combination of altitude and pressureless ball. So it was kind of a bizarre final in that, in that regard. But, you know, props to Morris. She did a great job. First American since Pete Sampras in, I think, 95 in Moscow to win three, three ties um, in, in a day, uh, to, I'm sorry, win three rubbers in a Davis Cup tie. Well, the, the other thing I thought that hurt hurt the Colombians, hurt the two singles players, was was actually just playing in front of their home fans. Both of those guys got close to winning the match, Faya and Geraldo, and they both they both choked. I mean, fish fish hung around. He let them implode. He didn't choke. That was the difference in the end. Geraldo got the crowd incredibly, you know, riled up, served for the match, and then couldn't get the ball over the net. So, in that sense, I think even playing at home, it didn't. Not that playing away would have been better, but they didn't. They didn't react. Those two guys didn't react well to the occasion, you know, at, at the end of those matches. So, but um, Marty Fish did, and, and yet yeah, you're right, Pete. You could see the way they were hitting the ball with, you know, with the altitude of the pressureless balls. It was very different, very careful tennis. Um, I thought it was fun to watch. It was it's a little different. You could see there, see them trying to decide when to, when to to let go, when to hit hard, when to when to go for shots. They they couldn't just do it when they normally do. Um, but overall, great, great moment for Marty Fish. I remember him at the 2007 Davis Cup final when, when the U.S. won. He was he was there. He was hanging around. He was just you know he was just a practice partner. Somebody asked him how he felt about it, and you know he said he was just honored to be part of the team. And and he's hung around for a long time. And he got I think he got his reward this weekend. One of the great did, things uh, about this I th- tie, I thought, was that uh, Patrick McEnroe went with fish i mean is it just you know it maybe is you know maybe a little bit too much inside baseball for for the general world audience but certainly for americans interested in davis cup and our history and 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 these characters you know marty fish has done a lot of time patrick has told me in fact that marty fish you know he respects marty an awful lot because marty spent a lot of time overshadowed by james blake and andy roddick who were the stalwarts of the davis cup team for most of Pat McEnroe's tenure. So, you know, there was kind of a poetic justice or a great symbolism in the fact that, you know, basically Patrick gave Marty the balls and said, you know, <laughs> almost as if he said, here, you, you did a lot of due diligence. You were always showed up. You were a practice partner. You did whatever we asked. You played doubles. You sat the bench. You did whatever. Now, here it is. This is your tie. It's an important tie. It's a relegation tie, a playoff tie. It's, you know, here's a ball. You put it in the court and, and win this thing for us. And Marty really, really responded and, and, and put in, you know, a, you know, kind of a really memorable performance, I think, all things considered. So I just like the symmetry of that in a way, you know, um, uh, kudos to Pe- Captain Macro. It's almost like it sort of closed the circle on us and created a sense of closure around this American effort that he spearheaded for about a decade. Did uh, did either of you guys get to check out the matches involving Query or Isner at all? And Fish is obviously the the big name that comes out of this tie. Isner, he always strikes me as sort of an, an odd doubles player, but he's actually done. He's actually had some pretty good wins on there, and you can always. A big serve is good no matter what format you're playing, of course. And then Query on day one, uh, he lost the second match. I believe it was the second match of the day um, in pretty routine fashion. Did either of you guys catch how they were playing this past yeah, week? He, even lost though to, it's... He, he, he lost to Geraldo um, pretty quickly. Geraldo was good in that match. He didn't, he didn't choke in that match. He was very steady. He used, I think he used the, the conditions to his advantage. He just, he just played very steady percentage tennis and and sort of wore Query down. It was not a good, not a good match for for Sam and Isner. You know, Marty Fish was is the more versatile doubles player, but Isner had the serve, and it, 
obviously has the serve, but it, it was a big, it's a big factor in that match. In in that's that was one thing that really gave the Americans an advantage was the ability to hit with power in that in that doubles match with their which their opponents didn't have, and you know Isner Isner really brought that. So he, he's sort of a he's an in, an interesting person to, to throw into the double. He's very you know has that wide reach has the huge serve you know he, he does make it tough and, you know people don't see that kind of guy in a doubles match too often I'd add on that note the uh, on, on the same fish note not to be a, a one note band here but uh, you know it was interesting that Pat chose to go with him in that fourth match you know he uh, you know in a rather decisive match because he um you know, he could have sub- subbed him out, I guess. He could have had Isner go in there, who played a good doubles match. You know, Marty had to be tired after going, you know, five-setter in the, in the first singles and then playing on a winning doubles. It was kind of a, a good opportunity to sort of to switch it around a little bit if he wanted to, but but he stuck with it. And, uh, you know, eight, six in the fifth, three matches, two long five-setters plus a doubles in between. That's a pretty fair share, pretty fair three days' work. I forget how the format goes. What if it went to a fifth rubber? Does he is was he stuck with Isner or could he do Query or Isner if it went the distance? Well, they they have some time to make that substitution, but they could have made that substitution. Uh, I mean, could have played know, either, either guy. Yeah, you saw the way you yeah, saw just, the way Serbia made that substitution. All right, they pulled Djokovic in the beginning and had the guy play instead of him, and then they reinserted Djokovic instead of uh, uh, what's his name. The other uh, Serbian player who played in his place, Troisky, inserted him for the fourth match. So yeah, they they could have, they had options there. The U.S. had options. McEnroe had options. Okay. Yeah. Well, they'll always definitely have. It seems some death in the next couple of years. They'll have a new coach coming up next year after Pat Pat McEnroe's last tie, as Pete said. So see where that brings the U.S. in the years to come. So uh, we'll be back later in the week with another podcast. Thanks again for Pete Bodo and Steve Tigner. I'm Ed McGrogan. You've been listening to the Tennis.com podcast, sponsored by American Express. American Express presents Next Contenders. Get to know four of today's game changers in tennis and follow their moves during the 2010 U.S. Open. For more, visit nextcontenders.com. And also by Prince XO3 Racket Technology. For more news and information, head over to tennis.com. Thanks for listening. 